All right, we got the inflation numbers today. And look, there's a good part of it that the inflation ha- actually has come down. The previous year on year inflation was 6.5%. Now, inflation is at 6.4%. But the bad side of it is that we didn't make the estimate, which was 6.2%. So inflation numbers were a little bit disappointing, um, but we're going to show you what that means. And I actually don't think that it's that bad. I'm going to show you the, the good side of it. And I think that in a day or two, the market will actually start to realize the good side of it and start to respond to the good side of it. Then I've got some major, major, major scoop for you, right? What if I told you that we may know who is behind this attack on Binance, and we may also know how it was done, when it was done, where it was done. Major, major, major scoop. I think it would probably the only guys reporting on the scoop. Could it have been our friend over there working with Gary Gensler? Could it have been Kevin O'Leary? That's what we're going to show you guys today. Then I've got a whole lot of altcoin news for you. I'm going to show you some narratives that we're shifting to because of the stablecoin narrative. And then I'm going to also show you that maybe this BUSD thing isn't so bad for crypto, but maybe net-net is actually good for crypto. So we've got a big show here today. Really, really big show. Sorry I was late. We were just fixing some technical issues. Um, Yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Let's have some fun. Fuck out of bed, bitch, go. Get up, get up, I got the guy go through. Gotta wake up, gotta wake up, bitch, get up. Get up, get up, get up. Wakey, 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 rise and shine. It's Valentine's Day. I told you guys not to make plans for Valentine's Day because I thought there'd be a move on the market. Uh, I'd said there hasn't really been a move on the market. That's Bitcoin. It's pretty much trading more or less where it was this morning, 21,675. If I take you to the hourly, this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. So that's the hourly candle in Bitcoin. And you can see that if you break it down, it's actually like a zoom right in. Let me just escape there. You can zoom right in. And we can look at what happened in the hourly. We went up earlier this morning. We went up all the way to 21,900. And then we had this wick down to 21,570 when the inflation numbers came up. Came up. Now we're back at 21,700. So I guess what we learn is that you can't trade big leverage on CPI day. Because if you do trade big leverage on CPI day, you could get wiped out if you don't have a big enough stop loss. Because if you look at how scary these wicks are, Regardless of whether you think the market's going to go up or down, these wicks around CPI and how the market processes CPI are actually quite dangerous. So um, actually, I've got a stat here in terms of the number of liquidations. So within five minutes of the inflation numbers actually coming out, 1.2 million in long liquidations and 1.2 million in short liquidations. So it was like, bang, bang, you know, like the first the shorts got liquidated, then the longs got liquidated. Or first the longs got liquidated, then the shorts got liquidated. But now we are exactly where we were at the beginning of the day before the CPI numbers came out. And so we kind of need to analyze what the market is, how the market is looking at the CPI data. Then, as I said to you, I've got a whole lot of scoop on Binance. We're going to discuss 
Blur, the NFT player, we can discuss GMX. In fact, yeah, be honest, who actually got wrecked here? Who actually got wrecked here? So um, let's we can just look at the bubbles just to get an idea of what's happening. A render up 10%, GMX up 14.2%, Lido is up, the graph is up, Phantom is up. My bubbles are squashed in the corner. I have no idea why. We should try and move these bubbles, move the bubbles. Um, yeah, so we've got lots to talk about today. So listen, what we need to do here, um, you need to subscribe to the channel. Uh, I need to bring you the highest alpha per show minute on the planet. If you like this kind of content, just tell YouTube that you like the content. Let me know in, in, in the comments that you like it. Um, let me know in the comments that you're a DJ. if you are a DJ. I do see all our friends in the house. I see Cosmos the Wonder Dog. I can see you present. Richard, Richard's here all the time. Richard is always here. He's here on my Twitter. Richard, Richard Saylor's always on my Twitter, always on, uh, on, on the thing. I see you, brother. I see you. I hope you're well. Uh, Ahija, Weekend Travis, if you're here, just say present. GL, if you're here, say present. Norian, if you're here, present. Ellen, if you're here, present. Elliot, if you're here, present. Wiki D, if you're here, say present. Uh, respect the pamp. Present, present. Just say present. If you're here, present, present, present. Let's go, 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 go. Let's have a big show. Let's have some fun here. So let's start off by looking at the inflation numbers because I think that's the biggest story of the day. Um, so here's the nutshell of the inflation numbers. The market was expecting the inflation to go down to 6.2%. Okay, so the estimated year-on-year -year CPI was 6.2%. The prior CPI in the last print was 6.5%. And the CPI year-on-year -year was 6.4%. So what that means is that we were still lower. So inflation is still coming down. It's just not coming down as quickly as they want inflation to come down. So it can, if you look at the month-on-month -month inflation, the month-on-month -month inflation was estimated to go up 0.5% and it went up 0.5%. So effectively what that means is it means that we expected the inflation from December to January to go up by 0.5% and it went up by 0.5%. So what does it actually mean? Well, I made this table, I dropped it on my Twitter. If you're not following me on Twitter, um, you are missing the best account on Twitter. It's been voted, um, research has shown that this is the best account on Twitter. It's been voted um, by 650,000 DJs. They all said my account is the best account. So <clears throat> if you're not following me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, uh, at Crypto Man Run. So what I said is, look, yes, we didn't hit the expectations that the market had for inflation, but... If you look at the last seven months of inflation, so you look at July, August, September, October, November, December, and January, you've got a seven-month CPI, which is equal to 1.6%. Now, remember that the Fed has a target um, of, of an annualized inflation of 2%. Now, if they continue at this rate, and we just annualize the 1.6%, because remember that the 1.6% is for seven months. And we say, if they keep inflation at the same rates, what is inflation going to be annualized over a year? We can see that it is now at 2.75%. And the Fed target is 2%. So we are getting very, very, very close. Um, Run, this tweet is wrong. Someone says, why, why is this tweet wrong? It's, it's very right, because they did revise this number in, in, um, in uh, January. Uh, 0.9 and 0.7, yeah, which is 1.6%. You annualize the 1.6%, you got 2.75%. Their, their target rate is 2%. And so right now we see that they actually are getting quite close to target. And we should watch this. Um, we should watch this uh, uh, every month. So watch, we'll watch it again in February. 
So that is the CPI. But the question is, what actually made up the CPI numbers? So let's quickly look at, um, at, at the CPI numbers. So first of all, the banks that forecasted, only two banks got it right, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. Everyone else got it wrong. The, 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 the smallest um, uh, uh, inflation forecast was 5.8%, nowhere near that. Trueflation also said 5.8%, and the highest was 67 So we were quite close to the high end of this. Now, what were the contributors of inflation? So fuel is still going up by 27.7%. Gas is going up, but well, has gone up by 26.7%. These are the components that have made up the, the high inflation. In fact, I, I, there's another way to look at it. So um, the biggest year-on-year -year declines in CPI were used car prices going down by 11%. And that's because of the supply issues. Remember, there used to be supply issues and you couldn't get cars. And now you can get cars. Medical services has gone down by 3%. The biggest increases, rents still gone up by 7.9%. Energy, 8.7% and gas utilities 26%. So what we saw now is we saw the government coming out and saying, we're going to start selling more oil barrels from the st strategic crude reserves to get the energy prices down, to bring inflations down. So they, they, they're operating with a double whammy. What they're doing is on the one side, they are increasing interest rates. And on the other side, they're starting to reduce the fuel prices because they know that the fuel prices are, uh, are going up. So someone says that Rolex is a very nice Valentine's Day present. You know what? I think you're right. And so what I think we should do, we should give away a Rolex. So if we get 2,000 likes on this video, by the end of this video, I give away another Rolex, another, another Rolex like this. So that, that's, we will do that. All right. So the, 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 the government is now doing two things. They are selling strategic oil reserves to bring down the oil price because they acknowledge that the oil price is a massive contributor to the inflation numbers. And the other thing that they're doing is that they are increasing interest rates. So let's quickly analyze the increase in interest rates because I think that that's quite important. So you'll remember that about a month ago, the market was forecasting two more interest rate increases between now and the end of 2023 and two to three rate cuts in 2023. After the job numbers, which were better than expected, and after the inflation numbers, which are now slightly higher than expected, this is what it looks like. So in March, we're expecting another increase. So what, that's one increase. Then in May, when, the, when, when they meet again in May, we're expecting another increase. That's two increases. Then in June, when we meet again, or when they meet again, we're expecting a third increase. So that's three increases. In July, right now, we're expecting no increase. In September, we're expecting no increase. Or was, it, was that a decrease? Hold on, let's just have a look here, 5.25. Yeah, no increase. And then in November, the market is kind of, well, it's, it's equal. So no increase at this stage. And then in December, I think, or no, no decrease. And in December, we're expecting one rate decrease. So what the market is, uh, is pricing in now is three more rate hikes at the next FOMC meeting, meetings, and then in December, one more rate cut. So why is this okay, good? Why isn't it bad? Why aren't the markets um, responding badly? Let's quickly look at what the, the traditional markets are doing. Look at this, this is actually quite, quite cool. 
traditional markets are flat. Look at this. The, the, the NASDAQ is flat completely. The US 500 is flat completely. The markets are actually not responding to this, which is a good sign. I'll tell you why it's a good sign. Because had we priced in more rate, or had we not priced in more rate hikes and we got more rate hikes, then we would have had a problem. Now, what we're seeing is that the market is actually pricing in three more rate hikes. And I think that that's quite a quite an aggressive pricing in of rate hikes. And so what we can expect is either we will get those three rate cuts, in which case nothing will happen. But if we don't get those three rate cuts and we get two rate cuts, or we get a pause for a little bit, then the market is absolutely going to explode. So I think the market has factored in what I think is the worst, which is three more rate cuts, one more, three more rate hikes, and one more rate cut this year. Um, and then after that, uh, um, I think, well, let, let's see what happens after that. We do have four, four Fed speakers out today. We've got Barkin, who's speaking now while I'm speaking. Rude. Um, we've got Logan, Harker, and Williams all speaking today. We've got to look out. We've got to listen out for their narrative. What are they saying? What are, what are they saying? What are they saying? Someone says Alts are waking up today. Let's see. This is our alt. So Phantom is waking up. Lido is waking up. We'll talk about Phantom today. We'll talk about Lido. We'll talk about GMX. We'll talk about Render. I think Render's could be on the way back to $2. Uh, we will talk about all of those, but what I need you guys to do is just focus. Let's just finish um, the inflation story. These are just more contributors. You can see the contributors to to CPI. Rent is still the biggest one. We need the 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 um, the rental market to start cooling down. That's one of the one of the big big things that we we need. Um, as I said, market pricing in three more rate cuts, three more rate hikes, and now actually only one rate cut this year. This is how quickly things are moving. This tweet was written about 12 hours ago. And now you can see it's already, this tweet is obsolete. It's basically obsolete. The next piece of data that is coming out is coming out on the 24th of Feb. And that's the most important piece of data. Um, as this tweet says, I've got to read this tweet. I found it so funny. He says, the CPI print today is the most significant data release of our lifetimes until PCE next week. So that's 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 uh, that's this tweet here from uh, uh, tier 10. So, um, for now, this is what we have. Remember, on the 24th, we have the, the PCE data. The personal consumption expenditure, PCE, is what the Fed actually look at. They don't look at CPI. They look at the PCE. So we'll wait for that. And then remember that on the 22nd of March, which is just over a month from now, um, we have the FOMC meeting. And then so that's, that's pretty much, if you want to look at macro, that's the macro story. The one surprising thing that I saw was the Dixie. So when the, this news came out, the, the Dixie uh, went, so let me, let me first take you to the hourly chart in Dixie. So you can see the minute that the news came out, the Dixie dropped all the way to 102.58. Then it shot back up. Now it's almost where we started the day. So if you look at the daily, let's look at the daily here. You can see that the Dixie's a little bit down on the day. Um, but more important, if you look at the weekly, the Dixie, as Sheldon said, has come to like a huge resistance point. So you can see there's like a huge resistance point here. It's a long-term resistance that has been going through June. So it could have broken down. Now it's got this perfect retest. And then if this pattern actually plays out, what I'm expecting we'll see is the following. I'm expecting if, if it plays out, a retest here and then going all the way down and, and coming down. If it breaks through this trend line on the weekly, then on the long-term basis, we could have uh, uh, some resistance. Although I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the Dixie is actually on the way down. So we'll keep we'll keep an eye on the Dixie. Um, I think the Dixie, if the Dixie goes 
touches this and then starts to go down, I think what Bitcoin will do is Bitcoin will actually play out that same pattern. Um, let me show you the daily and the daily. So I think what will happen is Bitcoin will also come here, almost test this 20,500, 21,000, depending where it is, and then and then go all the way back up. So if, if that scenario plays out. All right, so that is inflation. You've been educated. We now know. Um, who else is here? Who else is here? Joanne, are you here? Suba, Kiran Pun, are you here? Ryan is pumping. He is pumping. We got okay. Let's talk about Gary. Let's talk about Gary because I've got some some scoop for you about our friend Gary Gensler and this whole attack on Binance. As you know, yesterday we did a show where we spoke about how the SEC attacked Binance through going to Paxos, which is the issue of the BUSD currency, and basically they suspended. Well, they they fined Paxos or they, they issued a Wells notice for to Paxos. And a Wells notice is effectively a document that says, look, we've done an in-depth investigation. We have the following findings, which will lead to the following charges against you. And the SEC and the New York Department of Financial Services issued an, uh, an ultimatum on Paxos to say that they need to stop issuing any more BUSD. And effectively, that's, that, that's a, a kind of a death knell for, for BUSD. Why? Because if you don't issue any more coins but you can still redeem the coins eventually because you're not issuing. It's like a, a, a bucket with a hole in it. So if you can't put more water in the bucket and water's coming out the other side, eventually the BUSD, the number of BUSD in circulation will go to zero. So that's where we're at. And you remember that CZ issued a tweet yesterday. And in the tweet yesterday, CZ said, look, we're A, exploring other options of other tokens, but we're also exploring other issues. And I was quite disappointed at the time as to why Paxos didn't come out and say, look, you know, we're actually very confident that BUSD is not a security. Okay, now, they actually did come out. They came out yesterday after, after the show, and they said, look, first thing is, we disagree categorically with the SEC, with B, BUSD, not BSUD, is not a security under federal securities laws. So that's the first statement that they put out. The second part of the statement said that they will engage with the SEC staff in this issue. And, and they also prepared to vigorous, vigorously lit, uh, litigate if necessary. So we could have a situation now where Paxos, which is a huge regulated company in New York, with the backing of Binance secretly in the back end, actually take on the SEC. Now, that could mean that the SEC faces three major, 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 major lawsuits against three behemoth giants in the United States. You've got Ripple, which is fighting the SEC. And I think there's a great chance that the SEC will lose that one. Then you've got Brian Armstrong vowing to protect his staking services or to defend staking in the US. Um, uh, and to and he's willing to go to court with the, with the, um, with the uh, SEC. And now you've got Paxos coming out saying that, look, they're going to engage with the SEC and they're going to, to, to litigate. What, in fact, what, what the statement actually says, it says, Paxos categorically disagrees with the SEC staff because BUSD is not a security under federal security law. The S, this SEC Wells notice pertains only to BUSD, so no other charges against Paxos. To be clear, there are unequivocally no allegations against Paxos. Paxos has always prioritized the safety of its customers. 
BUSD issued by Paxos is always backed one-to-one with US dollar denominated reserves. Fully segmented and held in a bankruptcy remote accounts, we will engage the SEC staff and are prepared to to vigorously litigate if required. Now, where do I think that the SEC could catch Paxos out? They're saying US dollar denominated reserves. I didn't say US dollar reserves. Why? If you have a stable coin, a BUSD, a USDT, or a circle USDC, you are holding an instrument which represents a dollar, and those dollars are invested in multiple assets which are US dollar backed. The assets can include um, uh, bonds, treasuries, treasuries, bonds, debt, and maybe um, other other less risky assets. And so, in truth. I think that a BUSD actually may be a security because it is a, a token which represents a claim against a basket of assets which include US dollars. I don't think that would be the case if it only included US dollars. So I think that that's where the SEC is actually going is, is to fight their case. Be that as it may, I picked up this interview from, from Gary Gensler and Pat Toomey. So it wasn't an interview, it was a hearing in, in and I think it's a it's something that you've got to listen to. You, you have to listen to. Let me know in the comments what you think of this. Um, listen to this. My time is limited, so I'm going to try to do this as efficiently as I can, Mr. Chairman. But I, I think it. I think I know your position, uh, among other things, is that not all cryptocurrencies are inherently securities, right? That's true. There, there are a small number that aren't, but I think that uh, the, as Chair Clayton said, when he was in front of Congress, I think very many of these uh, okay. facts it gets worse. It gets super bad. So contracts. So here's uh, here's my concern. Um, so some are and some aren't is basically what you're saying, and I'm concerned that the SEC has running. not provided sufficient definition for, uh, and and explained how it would apply the Howey test, which I think is the uh, court standard for determining when something is an investment contract. So, for instance, stable coins do not have an inherent expectation of profit. They're just linked to the dollar. Now, you might use them in an attempt to make a profit, but that's a that's a second-order activity. Is it your view that stable coins themselves can be securities? Um, I think it's, uh, Senator, they may well be securities. Um, as as uh, Thurgood Marshall wrote in the Reeves opinion, um, in uh, defining the scope of the market that it, Congress, wished to uh, regulate, Congress painted a broad brush. And it actually included about 35 different things inside the definition of a security in okay. the 33 I, Act. I, I've just got limited time here. So I acknowledge that. Um, here's my problem, though. I think what you just said was that they may be securities or that some are securities. Um, to me, a stablecoin doesn't meet the second prong of the Howey test, that there has to be an expectation of profits from the investment. And so if it doesn't meet the Howey test, it looks to me like it's not a security. Now, maybe you've got a good argument for why some are and some aren't. My whole point is I think we need to have clarity on this. I think you should publicly disclose this. Apparently, there are private conversations where you work with people who are proposing particular structures and you give them advice, or your staff gives them advice. I just think we ought to have that publicly, and we certainly shouldn't be taking enforcement action against somebody 
without having first provided that clarity? Well, um, Senator, this this Congress and uh, could change the laws, but the laws that we have right now have a very broad definition of security, including a note, including an investment contract and the like. And I, my predecessor, uh, Chair Clayton and others, actually put out a lot of guidance with regard to the Howie. I, I just I just got to push back a little bit on that. It, it is broad, but it's well defined. There is a very specific litany of the instruments that constitute securities, as you know this better than I do. Investment contract is one of them. And there is a court decision that lays out the prongs for what constitutes an investment contract. I'm just saying, as a layman who can read English, when I read those tests, stable coins don't seem to meet that test to me. Maybe I'm wrong, but if I can misinterpret this, I think others could too, and some clarity, public clarity, I think would be helpful. Um, I see the red light, but I agree with you that that um, uh, some of these tokens have been deemed to be commodities. Many of them are securities, and the Supreme Court has weighed in a number of times. You you noted the Howey test. I, we've talked about the Reeves test was in the 1990s as well, um, has weighed in, and I think that there's a fair amount of clarity. Over the years, the SEC has even found, believe it or not, whiskey caskets and, and the uh, and the courts agreed in the 1960s were investments. And I think that at the heart of our securities laws was protecting investors against fraud. They get to decide. They get to just take the risk. You'll find I'm not I'm not negative or a minimalist about crypto. I just think it, it would be best if it's inside the investor protection regime that Congress laid out. I see my time has expired, Mr. Trump. Okay, so you can see that what Gary Gensler is basically saying is saying, look, everything can be a security. Even a whiskey casket can be a security. You know, actually, even I read a tweet that said even an Amazon card can be a security. So it's because the money is held and managed by Amazon. It's traded on the secondary markets. There's no prospectus filed. All the upside accrues to Amazon and all risk goes to the gift card holder. So actually, Amazon gift cards are actually also unregistered securities. So the SEC has an ambit to basically regulate to abuse their powers. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. They, there's a coordinated attack that is happening by the SEC and by other regulatory bodies against crypto. And they're calling it Operation Choke, or Operation Chokehold, or Operation Choke Crypto, or whatever else. And Nick Carter wrote an amazing, an amazing blog about it. And it's real. You can see there was another tweet that I saw today which said that major firms are now facing challenges in securing banking relationships. So you can see that they're cutting off the supply of money into crypto. I also saw a tweet that Elizabeth Warren, Senator Karen, as we call her, um, is attempting to form an anti-cryptocurrency coalition and build support for a bill that would have sweeping implications for the industry. So it's definitely, definitely, definitely an effect. And what we're seeing, though, is that even though this is actually an effect, we are getting Bitcoin flying. It's back now at 22,218. And you remember, when I started the show, I said to you, I think that the market misread the inflation numbers and that, inf that it's actually going to, to, to go that, the, that the market's actually going to start flying soon. And that's exactly what happened. In fact, it probably started flying way sooner than expected. In fact, yesterday when we were on the show, I said to you that Andrew, Andrew Kang, who was opened a very big long position on GMX, closed it and he went short. And I said to you, I think that Andrew Kang is going to get wrecked. And he needs to go long again. And what that is exactly what happened just before the show. So first of all, he started to fight the market. He said, he said, scope and impact of US government's war on crypto 
uh, is more severe than could be imagined. Where you have headline risk in the coming days and weeks is that in full-blown offensive because they are against us. Um, he says, as with all negative events, there'll be an opportunity to buy blood. And then today, he closed his shorts entirely and he went long again. And this is exactly what I said to you would happen. I said to you yesterday, I said, I think Andrew Kang is going to get wrecked. When we started the show today, I said to you, I think that the market misread the inflation numbers. Haven't seen it the way that I presented it to you uh, earlier here, like this, showing that we're actually getting very close to the 2% target. And when they realize that we're actually going to get the green candle, we got the green candle. I'm assuming that, that if I look at the Dixie, the Dixie is probably going, going to start moving under 103 or very close to 103, which is exactly as you can see what's happening. So it's playing out almost, I want to say exactly, exactly, exactly as I have been predicting, right? Remember, that's what Carl used to say. He said it's, it's playing out exactly as he has been predicting. All right. So we do have some scoop about where the attack came from. So what we found out yesterday is that this Binance attack was actually initiated by Circle. Bloomberg reported that Circle complained to the New York Department of Financial Services last year about Binance's mismanagement of its own tokens. And you can see that this came out today. Um, that complaint was around, here we go. Um, is it, here we go. So, so, so Circle alerted this, in in um, last year in autumn. In fact, we know exactly when it was done. It was done in August last year. Um, it was done in August last year. Now you'll remember that in August last year, Circle reported Binance to the New York uh, Department of Financial Services. In September, on the 5th of September last year, just a few days after this happened, Binance to auto-convert USDC, USDP, TUSD, and BUSD to BUSD. So remember, there was a point last year where Binance decided that they wouldn't allow USDC to be used on their platform anymore, and they would auto-convert it to BUSD. That, that seemed like it came very, very, very coincidentally, very, very, very coincidentally, just after Binance removed USDC from the um, from the uh, uh, from their trading pairs, so it's like a game of chess. Binance removes the trading pairs. Circle reported Binance a few days earlier because obviously Binance was speaking to Circle and saying, "Look, we're going to do this now." Who owns Circle? Who are the investors in Circle? Well, what we know is that the issuer of USDC is the company called Circle, and there are two owners that we know of of Circle. Who are the two owners? Well, the first owner of Circle is BlackRock, which is the biggest investment company in the world, the company that is tied to the US government, like tied by a rope to the US government. They, they're the one untouchable investment company. They own a significant, significant, significant stake in Circle. The other company that is, or the other individual or company that is behind Circle is none other than Mr. Wonderful. So remember Kevin O'Leary? Kevin O'Leary, who's been on our show many times, is one of the owners of Circle. Now, what we know is that after the FTX collapse last year, we know that Mr. Wonderful 
basically had a big public fallout with CZ. So it's everywhere. There was a massive public fallout with CZ. You can remember, I mean, let's listen to Scott Melker's stream. BNB obviously is of concern to you. Do you have an expectation or a fear that that could be the next large collapse, Binance? I mean, there's been a lot of conjecture around that. You could also argue that this has been a massive stress test for them, that they've survived. So it could go either way. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't put any um, assets on any unregulated uh, exchange, decentralized, centralized. So I'm not, it's not no concern to me. I don't own any of it. Uh, I, I would think um, who, whoever the shareholders are of Binance would be concerned about all the regulatory activity like uh, bees humming around a hive right now, not just the U.S. regulators, all the regulators. And so one of the challenges of uh, successfully putting your competitor out of business is you poke the bear in every geography. Every regulator is looking at this now. And I would think, um, you know, the management of Binance would be, uh, would, you know, be wise to settle with regulators, whatever the cost is, because there's something of value there if you were properly. So that's the first kind of warning to say, hey, we think that, that they're coming after Binance. Then remember, he came on to banter. And at the time, he was talking about a stable coin bill, which he was trying to get passed in, in government. And he was trying to get that bill passed for and on behalf of USDC and Circle, because he's a shareholder in USDC. And he was trying to get the bill passed. Now, maybe this was another bill which was going to exclude um, uh, uh, Binance again, like the bill that SBF was fighting for before. Remember, SBF was fighting to pass a bill that would kind of make it harder for Binance to operate in the United States. What if this stablecoin bill was the same? Listen. United States, there's a bill, there's two bills floating around, but let's talk about the one that has the chance of actually getting passed in the US after November 8th, which is the midterm elections. It almost went to markup last week. It's called the Stablecoin Transparency Act. Now, this has nothing to do with Bitcoin, but it has a lot to do with the tone of regulation. And the reason I think it's interesting is they're trying to solve for the challenges that occurred in these collapses of stable coins that were built around algorithms. 62 billion got erased. The regulators got upset about that, although the majority of that capital, because it was decentralized, was in other countries. But this act is very simple in nature, which is why it may pass. It's being supported by both parties. And the reason that's the case is that it makes effectively the U.S. dollar the default payment system worldwide, which everybody can get behind. So if you have USDC or any other stablecoin that's backed by the dollar, and the test to get it regulated is very simple. You're going to get audited every 30 days. It has to be backed up one-to-one -one with a dollar or a treasury bill. All the treasury bills backing the coin or the token have to have a duration of less than 12 months. And if you're willing to go through that scrutiny, they'll, they'll issue you a license. Now, if that were to happen, and it may happen very quickly after November 8th if the House flips, and that's the anticipation is House flips, nobody knows what's going to happen in the Senate. That's a taunt, coin toss. But even though it has nothing to do with Bitcoin, that'll be the first regulation passed by U.S. regulators. And I would argue you want to be long Bitcoin going into that outcome. Okay, so that's the bill that he was trying to pass. And that was a bill which was obviously he was lobbying on for this bill because he's a shareholder in in um in Circle. Then of course there was the public fallout where where CZ called Kevin a liar, I think. So that this is this is the, the clip on CNBC. Yeah. 
he says he didn't know that Binance was a shareholder of FTX. So he invested in FTX without looking at the cap table. But he was very specific in the way he counts for a transaction two years ago. So that's kind of contradictory. So um, I think Calvin's a liar. So um, I think he's lying about, about a bunch of stuff. So that's okay, his problem. To us, we... So Kevin O'Leary, he called Kevin O'Leary a liar. So Kevin O'Leary went onto CNBC and said, he called me a liar, don't mess with me because I'm crazy, I'm gonna take you down. Yesterday on the air, CZ called me a liar. That suggests that I perjured myself in front of the US Senate for two hours this week. I can assure you that it's not the case. Another little parable here you should understand. When I was young, my birth father was Irish, put me on his knee and every Irishman will know this. And he said, son, never call an Irishman a liar unless you know with certainty that's true. And I said, why is that dad? He said, because the Irish are crazy. Now, I don't know what it meant back then, but I got to tell you, I'm not happy about that. So at the end of the day, I have no ill will to this guy, but he's part of the story too. And you found out yesterday, you did a little work with Squawk Box. We talked about it either being 2 billion or 3 billion, that transaction. That's the largest transaction I think of anything in there regarding the balance sheet in, in recent 24 month period. And he confirmed it was 2.1 billion. And then he confirmed that he still had 550 million, half a billion dollars of FTT tokens. Now, at some point, we're going to look at that week of November 6th. And you ask anybody, why did they, why was Sam Bankman-Fried or the whole company FTX forced into bankruptcy? It was jamming down that last half a billion that gave them no option. Now, is that the fatal stroke or blow? So he was turning the whole narrative around CZ. So you can see these guys have been fighting. He's, and then CZ responded, he said, shortly after Sam began investing in friends in high places, bribing the media uh, to policymakers, celebrities like Kevin, and he used his network to manipulate public opinion, in, including attacking me and others in the industry. So you can see that there's a massive narrative, a massive war between CZ and Mr. Wonderful. In this case, Mr. Wonderful is on the same side as BlackRock because they're both shareholders in circle. So this is like, I'm piecing it all together for you that maybe this attack was against BUSD and it was coordinated because of Circle, because of the shareholders in Circle, which is Mr. Wonderful and, and we know it's Mr. Wonderful and BlackRock. And Kevin's been quite vocal. He says, when I start something, I bring my A game and I assume I'm going to win. And he's, he's been quite vocal against, um, against uh, CZ. Anyway. That's the that's the conspiracy theory. We obviously don't have facts, but we've showed you what we have got um, to show you where why we think this is what we think. I think more importantly is what happens now? What happens now? How do you invest? How do you make sure that you insulate yourself from this and actually even better? And I, I think that ultimately there's going to be short-term and long-term implications. In the short-term, there's going to be some moves and I think those can be quite positive. And in the long term, I think this is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant thing for crypto. And this is what I want to show you. I spent a whole, the whole night thinking about why Bitcoin didn't crash. Why didn't Bitcoin crash when BUSD was actually being attacked? And I think I have the answer. To me, the answer is that the reason why, BUS, that why Bitcoin never crashed is because of a few things. So in the short term, in the short term, a couple of things happen. The BUSD supply will go down. The stablecoin market will go up or down. We'll talk about that. There have been some withdrawals from Binance. The reason for the withdrawals from Binance is because people are worried that 
Next, they're going to go for the exchange. BUSD liquidity, Curve gets a massive pump because Curve is, is a place where people can trade st stable coins. That's the short-term implications. A lot of BUSD are being burnt. 270 million, 275 million were burnt in the last 10 hours and they continue to be burnt. So there's going to be less and less and less supply from BUSD to, from BUSD. Then, people are also fleeing Circle, are also fleeing USDC. And they're taking the money and they're putting it into USDT. Why are they fleeing USDC? USDC because they're worried that USDC or Circle is actually going to be subpoenaed next. Okay, we also see that a lot of people are buying different USD in on Curve, which is the USD exchange. Curve is an exchange which allows you to buy USD denominated coins, and we can see that the pool of Dai USDC and USDT has been very, very, very much utilized. In fact, $613 million was traded there yesterday. And so what we're also seeing, which again, I don't know if anyone picked up, but maybe people knew about this B BUSD news before it came out. When we look at the move in Bitcoin since January, where Bitcoin was trading at $16,500, $16,500, and all of a sudden, Bitcoin went up to now 22300 I knew this would happen. I told you guys before the show this would happen. I'm so happy it's happening. I'm so happy you guys listened. We know that Bitcoin went up 35% since January, one month before this announcement, okay? What we also know is we know that that pump was actually led by the BUSD pairs. It was people trading out of BUSD and putting their money into Bitcoin, which means that maybe people knew that this was going to happen before we did. Binance knew the BUSD issue before we did. BUSD pairs actually led this rally. The cartel meme was generally an insider rotation exit pump into BUSD. What they did was BUSD pump BTC to swap from BUSD to BTC, and then BT BTC sold off into BUSD, and you can see it in the charts. So first people bought Bitcoin into USDC, from BUSD, and they bought Bitcoin, and then they sold it and it went to, uh, um, to, to uh, USDT. And you can actually see it in this tweet, and you can see it in, in, this, in, in these charts. So you can see that the pump was led by BUSD, and then it was dumped uh, into, into um, USDT. You can also see that the number of addresses that held a lot of, of BUSD, a million dollars plus, has been decreasing since the beginning of January. You see that? So these are, this was a number at the beginning of January, and it's been decreasing since the beginning of January, which means that they were deploying capital. They were deploying their BUSD into the market. That's what we, this is what we know. What we also know is that there are going to be long-term implications here. And even though we think right now that this is not a good thing. I actually think it is actually quite a good thing. And I'll tell you why I think it's quite a good thing. The first thing is that it's BUSD that is currently undergoing this investigation. It's not Paxos and it's not Paxos USD and it's not yet USDC or USDT. I'll change my tune if the SEC issues summons against those two stable coins. But for now, it's only BUSD. The second thing is, for as long as USD stablecoins are being attacked, users and, cons uh, users and investors will have 
two options. So if you think, if you take all the money that is sitting in USDT, USDC, and BUSD, you've got over $100 billion sitting in those. In fact, it's way over $100 billion. Let's quickly just look at the market caps of all three of those tokens put together. So let's put it on there and say, the USDC has a $41 billion market cap. Tether has a $70 billion market cap. And BUSDC has $15 billion market cap. Combine those together, you got yourself $130 billion, more or less. Okay. If, if we have $130 billion and the SEC attacks all stable coins, then people are going to have a few options. The first option that they're going to have is redeem all the stable coins. Get out of the crypto market completely. I don't think people are going to do that because I think they still believe in crypto. So what will happen is that they will trade their USDC, their USDT, and their uh, BUSD, and they will put that into Bitcoin and ETH, primarily Bitcoin and ETH. And what that will do is it will, it will pump the price of Bitcoin and ETH. Because I don't believe that people are going to, if they ban stablecoins, USDC-based stablecoins, I don't believe that people are going to leave the crypto market. In fact, I think that what's going to happen is people are going to flee the government control. And they're going to say, look, the government is controlling USDC-based stablecoins. I have to get out of the system. I have to get out of a place where the SEC can regulate the system. And where are they going to move to? They're going to move to the next best currency, which is BTC. And what we're going to probably see is we will see that the main trading pairs will actually become against Bitcoin and maybe against ETH, but probably against Bitcoin. And people in crypto will actually start using Bitcoin as the base currency. And Bitcoin will become the base currency of the crypto Web3 world. And so what would have happened then was you would say that USDC was a great bridge to get people in. But from that point on, all crypto transactions will be denominated in this new Web3 cryptocurrency called Bitcoin. And people won't keep as much of their reserves in the old world denominated stablecoin, which is USDC. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think that people aren't going to leave crypto completely. I think they're just going to sell the USDC, sell the USDT, and go into the next best thing or the better thing, which is Bitcoin. And that will force people into Web3 adoption because now we'll have an extra $100 billion in Web3 adoption. And so I think that is why I said to you yesterday, and I'm saying it to you again today, I think this market is going to pump and it's, it is starting to pump. Um, yeah, sorry, I have, a, I have to kill this phone call. Um, I think this market will pump. I think that this will actually give the market, uh, will give the market the impetus to pump. So I think Stable coins really, really, really served an important purpose for crypto to bring, to, to make people, to allow people to trade in a currency that they understood in the old world. It's like a bridge. It was like, oh, you, 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 you are used to trading everything against US dollars. Well, look, we'll make it easy for you. We'll create a US dollar pair. But the reality is that in the, the, the new world, in the new world, we want to trade with a new currency. We want to trade. What is the point of being in crypto if you're still going to trade using a Web2 denominated currency? If we're in Web3, if we're in Web3, we need to, to, to be dealing with Web3 currencies. And that's where I think that Bitcoin is going to be the clear winner. And the second winner after that is going to be ETH. And I'll tell you why it's going to be ETH. One is because 
it is going to be, or it is the second most liquid crypto. But the second reason is because there's going to be a whole lot of algorithmic and other stable coins which are built on ETH. Things like Frax. Um, things like Frax. Things like... People are calling me like crazy. In fact, let me kill my WhatsApp because people are being disrespectful now. You see, people are being very disrespectful. Um, uh, um, so, so that's what I think will happen. So I did see a tweet over here, and I want to quickly read it to you. It says, the common sentiment due to these regulatory actions is that it's bad for crypto. While this is obviously true in the short term, I don't think so, by the way. I don't think it's short-term short, short -term true. It builds stronger decentralized architecture and, and uh, for, for crypto. And I think that all that will happen if the SEC keeps attacking us is that crypto is very, very, very resilient. We know this. For those of us that have been here since 2014 and 2015, we've seen how often crypto gets attacked. And every time it does, it comes out stronger. And this time is going to be no difference. If they ban USDC, we will move our trading pairs into Bitcoin. We will not leave the market. We will just buy more Bitcoin. We will invest more money into Bitcoin and into other stablecoin experiments. And this is another investment opportunity for you guys. There are a whole lot of other stablecoin opportunities that you can look to invest in. Some of them will be algorithmic. Some of them won't be algorithmic. Fraxcoin, um, all those other ones. But there's a massive opportunity for us now to say, what is going to be the main currency of Web3? Will it be DAI? Will it be the Frax dollar? Will it be whatever you think it will be? I think we're going to see a narrative of, um, of uh, 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 um, stable coins that is coming up now. And I think that even though Luna didn't work, there are a whole lot of, of, of um, stable coins that will work. And that's why I think if you look at Phantom, that's why Phantom's running, because Phantom also has a very interesting stable coin. Phantom now back over 51 cents. Um, you've got, wow, look at, look at Render. Render's up to 174. It was 162 when we started the show. I told you I think it's going to go to $2. Now it's at 174. Then you've got GMX. GMX is at $75. $75 reason why it's at $75 is because look at the average fees that GMX is generating on a daily basis, $1.2 million every single day. I mean, that is crazy. That, that's, that's absolutely, absolutely crazy. Um, so you can see the good projects are rising to the top. The good narratives are, are rising to the top. This, what happened in the last couple of days was a little bit of a shock. But as I said to you guys yesterday, and I've said it to you guys again today, Think that in the long term, it's the best thing that we could ever do. We don't want to create a, a, a web three world that is reliant on web two financial currencies. We don't want that. We want to create a web three world that is using a, a web three narrative and a web three um, uh, uh, um, currency or a, a web three currencies. And the web two is, is just a bridge the usdc is just the usd denominated coins <clears throat> are just a bridge the other thing that could happen which we haven't actually discussed and we might talk about it tomorrow is what if they if the base currency for crypto just becomes the euro or the swiss franc because we know switzerland is a banking country they 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 are a banking country and they they say look you know, you know if you if you want to penalize everyone that's that's causing a a um uh if anyone that's causing a creating a USDC-based stablecoin, fine, we'll create a Swiss franc or a Euro-based stablecoin, and we'll just trade crypto. If we want to use norm other currencies, we'll just use uh, a different currency. And I think that that's, that's another scenario that may play out. So all in all, I'm not worried. I'm super fucking bullish. I still think that we're in this bull cycle. I said it 
before a lot of people. Um, I think that this is good. I think the inflation narrative is slightly behind us. I think the, the Dixie is going to start. Oh, there we go. I told you the Dixie would drop below 103. Today's been, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I said the Dixie is going below 103. The Dixie is below 103. I told you Bitcoin would rocket. Bitcoin is rocketing. I told you Andrew Kang was going to get wrecked. Andrew Kang closed his shorts and went long. Today's been my day. Now all that needs to happen is I need to go home, celebrate Valentine's Day with my wife, and get lucky. And then that will have been my day indeed, right? Only if I, if, I mean, that, that would be my, that would have been my day. That would have been my day. All right, so listen, super bullish. Um, I know I told you to cancel your Valentine's Day plans for tonight, but don't because the markets are flying. We can afford to take our girlfriends, wives, fiancés out tonight because the markets are starting to run again. I think that this carries on for, I think this pump carries on, but let's see, I'll be, I'll be back here tomorrow with you guys and we can do it again. Um, now, listen, I want to know something. Are there 2,000 likes? Okay. There are 2,200 likes. Well, then we don't have a choice. We have to, we have to open the WhatsApp, get the list, and, okay, let me open my WhatsApp. Let me get the list. And let's give away a Rolex. So remember how this works. I'm giving away a Rolex like this. It's a black Submariner. It's worth anywhere between fifteen dollars and $20,000. How it works is you have to have a Bybit account and you have to have a BitGet account. We will draw one lucky winner. You've got five hours to respond. Okay, so you have five hours to respond. Um, I, I, I do want to talk to you about something else. So we'll do the Rolex draw, but don't go anywhere yet because there's another bit of alpha that I have to give you. It's super, super, super important. It's ridiculously important. You have to listen to me. Stay here. Believe me, it's worth staying here. Okay, so first of all, open account using any Bybit link or BitGet link. And if you don't have a Bybit account or or, uh, or BitGet account, go to, go to, um, uh, hold on a second. Go to, go to, just uh, take one over there. I'm going to just quickly find the list. I do have the, updated list somewhere and then let's give away a rolex let's just give away a rolex to someone okay let's just see here's a list i've got the list bang okay so there's the list um if your country doesn't allow those exchanges we're going to talk about it don't go anywhere it's important all right so we've got six thousand six thousand oh we've got more we've got seven thousand four hundred and one of you let's get a random number generator seven thousand four hundred and one don't go anywhere i'm telling you there's big news you want to hear it so 7,401. Let's, let's get a number. Okay. If you are account number, it's 1148, right? If you are, if you are, if you are, I want to make your day. I want to make your Valentine's Day. If you are account number 939-1976, you win a blackface Rolex Submariner. You have to get hold of us at giveaways at cryptobanter.com within the next five hours to qualify. And I'm sending you this watch on Valentine's Day. Help me help you. Help me help you. I want you guys to win. Okay. I just want to say, I, I do want to do one more segment, which we didn't actually plan on doing, but let's do it anyway. Remember that the SEC started this attack by attacking Kraken. And remember that Brian Armstrong stood up and he said that he was actually going to defend staking in the United States. We know for sure now that the SEC is going after staking. I have heard, as I said to you yesterday, I've heard rumors from very, very, very reliable sources that the SEC is also going after decentralized protocols. It's going after Rocket Pool, it's going after Lido, and it's trying to get court orders, and for some, in some cases, it already has the court orders, 
to get information from the decentralized protocols. Okay, now I have to say this to you guys again. If you are anywhere in the world, but specifically if you are in the US and you are and you are contracting or using DeFi protocols or centralized exchanges, every single time that you are doing that, you are exposing your IP address. Your IP address is a unique address associated with your computer, which tells the exchange where you are in the world. It's basically, it's like an identifier which tells the exchange exactly where you are in the world. You are exposing that every single time you deal with a DeFi protocol and with an exchange. And if they get hold of your address, they will find you and they can take whatever action they need to take. Now, I'm not trying to show you one of our sponsors, even though this is one of our sponsors. If you use a NordVPN, which is a crypto VPN, you, ex you, you hide your IP address and then they don't know who you are. And we have a deal for you guys for $3.35 a month with one month free, by the way, you can protect yourself and you can protect your crypto. If you are watching this now and you are still surfing without a VPN, man, I don't know what to say to you. You are seeing how the US is clamping down. Don't reveal your IP address. Go and spend $4 a month and save yourself and make yourself completely, completely, completely anonymous. Please. It's not for the money. It's not for... The, the VPN allows you to, to pretend you're anywhere in the world. So when I present the show to you, I, I'm, one day I present from Lisbon, one day I present from Singapore, one day... Because I don't want anyone to know where I am. You guys have got to do this. Please, please protect yourselves. On Valentine's Day, use protection, guys. Use NordVPN. In fact, every time you do it, you should use protection. Don't get caught exposed. Use protection. I'll see you guys again tomorrow. Until then, trade well, my friends. Have a great Valentine's Day.